Good morning. That's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for letting me come back to my other home. It's always a joy uh, to come and to be with you. I will say this. You know, you guys know how to work a preacher. <laughs> I started yesterday, and then this is the third time today. And uh, man, I'm, I'm grateful that I have enough energy to, to be able to close out today. And so y'all pray. Now, now, where I'm from, they, they help the preacher out by saying amen and hallelujahs and all that kind of stuff, okay? So uh, y'all going to do that for us? Because if you want, I can stay here and preach until the snow falls, and then we have to all stay. <laughs> I am so grateful to Pastor John for allowing me to be a part of uh, uh, the preaching moments here at Connection Point. I bring you greetings from New Era Church. Uh, there is something in the good. Uh, there, there is something good in the hood, I'm trying to say. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yes, there's something good in the hood. That's where I emanate from. And uh, we are ecstatic in New Era Church and the partnership we have with you here uh, at Connection Point that started many years ago and, and uh, your lovely pastor is, is, has extended uh, our relationship and for that we are grateful. Pastor John wanted us to kind of hang around uh, a theme be encouraged. And uh, he didn't know this, but I've done my spiritual gift uh, inventory, and my, my number one spiritual gift is encouragement. So I'm hoping that somehow through this weak vessel, God will encourage somebody through me in this message uh, today that the Holy Spirit has given me. I know the Holy Spirit is in it because when I submitted my, my uh, potential sermon uh, to uh, the worship team, I had no idea until today, or maybe yesterday, that Pastor John is going to come and do a series on the book of Daniel. And that's where I want to hang my hat uh, with you today on this incredible Lord's Day. I want to talk to you from uh, that prophetic book of, of Daniel. It's been said that in this 21st century world of theological searching, and so many people are searching today, preaching can seem an antiquated exercise, especially in a culture that is so immersed in social media. And, and by the way, I understand that there are uh, hundreds of people watching by way of webcasts. And so let me give you a shout out uh, and it's great to, to know that people are watching us from all over the world right now. But unfortunately, social media can also degradate and sometimes hinder uh, our walk with God because there's so much information out there that is misinformation. And so uh, what Pastor John wants to do is to create a series where we can go deeper in God's Word so that you can grow deeper in your faith. Because in today's culture, there aren't many absolutes. There aren't many, any, you know, many truths anymore. Like everything is in flux. Everything's relevant. 
And I think it's time, connection point, it's time that all of us get back to the foundations for which we've been called as Christians. Amen? Amen. And so that's why I'm excited today. It was Dr. Robert Smith. He's the chair of divinity at Beeson Divinity School. He said these words. He says that the Bible is made of all kinds of genre. Uh, And so we need to enjoy all of what God says in his word. From Genesis to Revelation, we need to be conversant. We need to be um, connected to the entire genre or literary forms that are in Scripture. And so the book of prophets, the, 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 the books of, uh, from the prophets are awesome books for us to play and make sure we are conversing in. It was the Apostle Paul that said this, I have not hesitated to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I want you to know the whole story. And some parts of the Bible is not, uh, uh, you know, they're not always uh, the most comfortable places for us to hang out. Uh, But God gave it all to us that we might be holistic in our growth when it comes to our relationship with Christ. And so today's book that I want to preach out of, Daniel, is intriguing to me because we are in the midst of Black History Month, and uh, Daniel, Daniel writings are somewhat of a kind of nonviolent resistance movement. I mean, when you read Daniel, and my forefathers, when things were difficult, it was the book of Daniel that, that sometimes inspired them in the midst of all that they were going through. And I, I think that it's going to inspire you today and as you go through these weeks where you study this incredible prophetic book called Daniel. So let's go there now. Let's, let's open our Bibles and, and let's see what God has to say to us as we take a look at just a certain small portion of this great prophetic book. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach. And Abednego replied to him, they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we, we don't need to talk about this anymore. We, we might be thrown into the blazing furnace, but the God we serve is able to bring us out of it alive. Think about what they're saying, that the God we serve is able to bring us out of it alive. I mean, how are you going to come out of a a blazing furnace alive? This is what they said before they even got thrown in. For he will save us from your power. Verse 18, but we want you to know this, your majesty. Even if we knew that God wouldn't save us, we still wouldn't serve your gods. And we wouldn't worship the gold statue you have set up. If you know anything about this story, you see that these three young men are in trouble. And so I have tagged this message today, a dangerous faith, a dangerous faith. I wonder when is the last time that you have really been tested in your faith? 
I mean, really. I mean, where you, you just wonder where God is in this, why am I going through this, how am I going to get out of this? Is there anyone here that's ever just, where your faith was truly tested? I mean, these young men, these young men have, have decided to put all of it on the line, their relationships, their, their time, their money, uh, you name it. They, they decided that they were going to forego it all, that they might walk in the plan that God has for them. They decided they would not reject their faith in God for the foolishness of this world. When the last time have you exhibited a dangerous faith? I was sharing at the last service a true story of a young man who was jogging and he had his music on and he's going around the mountains and his phone goes off uh, in his jogging suit and he pulls it out to see who's trying to get hold of him. And, and as he pulled it out and began to text back, that road he was running curved, and he missed the curve and went plummeting down into the abyss. And he just happened to grab hold to a limb on his way down. And so he's dangling uh, between heaven and earth, and he's screaming, oh, somebody help me, somebody help me, please, somebody help me. And the voice from heaven said, do you believe I can help you? Yes, I believe you can help me. Do you believe that I have the power to help you? Yes, I believe you have the power to help me. Do you believe I love you enough to help you? Yes, I believe you love me. I believe you love me. Then let go. He said, okay, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> That's how you and I are sometimes when it's time to exhibit faith in God. That dangerous faith, that, that faith that, 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 that you know if you decide to, to exhibit it, you're totally in the hands of God. Amen. Well, pastor, what is dangerous faith? Here it is. Dangerous faith is nothing but trust under fire. Trust that's under fire. That's what dangerous faith really is. And so today, these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are in our story. Now, I want you to hold on to something because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is not really their true names. You see, their real names are Hebrew names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's going to be real important as we get to the, pop, to the latter part of my sermon. That, and so we see uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taking on Babylonian names because they have been stolen from their land 
and have been taken to Babylon. They are now in hostile territory. My brothers and my sisters, there are times in life that you wake up and find yourself in a troubling situation. Things were fine yesterday. Things were fine this morning. And all of a sudden, life brings us this storm. Life takes us down roads that we never thought we'd have to travel. These adverse situations, they come in many, many forms. I've had all of these challenges. Sometimes they come emotionally, sometimes relational, and sometimes these things are financial. The storms just come out of nowhere. Sometimes they're personal. I, there's something I don't tell nobody about. I just, me and God, me and God, but it's a struggle. And uh, sometimes it's spiritual. Oftentimes it can be marital. It, it can be physical. It can be parental. It, it can be racial. It can be a lot of things, mental, psychological. These storms come because that's what life is comprised of. Stuff just happens. And when that stuff happens, your faith is tested. And that's one of the main reasons that God put in the genre of the Bible, the prophetic books, because he, he wasn't trying to scare us uh, by putting all these mystical uh, kinds of scenes in the Bible uh, and, and, and these apocryphal scenes. No, he's not trying to scare us. What he's trying to do is to get our attention to grow our faith. He's trying to get us to see that no matter what goes on, at the end, you and I win. Amen. Amen. I remember visiting my grandmother, and my grandmother lived in a little house that, and it was, it, it, it was, it was, it was such a poor environment my, grandma, my grandmother lived in until, you know, when you walk into the house, the floor was uneven, and you go downhill to the kitchen. And I, I would watch my grandma, and she would give God glory and praise God and thank God for, for, for being such a good God. And I said to my grandmama, Grandmama, you don't have much. And grandma, it looks like every time there's trouble. And grandma taught me something. She said, Baby, just know one thing when you're serving God, trouble don't last always. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. And you might be in the midst, but trouble does not last always. That's why God put prophecy in our Bible. Whether it's Jonah or whether it's the book of Revelation or Ezekiel. I like Ezekiel because Ezekiel was preaching to the dry bones, unconnection point church. Y'all get that later on. <laughs> All these stories recorded to increase your faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego finds themselves in this strange place, but then something wonderful happens. See, God has a way of blessing you even in adverse situations. Look at what happens in chapter 2, verse 48. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made Daniel ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of his wise men. Now, okay, so 
Why are you talking about Daniel? I thought we were talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, Daniel was the spiritual leader and mentor of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he opened the door. Watch this. Let's go to verse 49. He opened the door for his mentees. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon. Look at God. God is blessing them in enemy territory. God is making a way out of no way. That's what God does. That's what God does. I spent 20 years in General Motors, and eight of those years I was bivocational. And uh, I was a middle manager. I had some three or 400 people reporting to me. Uh, and then God called me into ministry. And so I was doing both. And uh, the church there in the inner city was growing, and uh, they had, had, had never had a full-time pastor before. And I, I, I wanted to really continue my work at General Motors. And, but then uh, a new boss came. And the new boss called me in one day after he got there. And he said to me, Clarence, you are just too nice. And I'm going to replace you. And I'm going to move you to another space. <laughs> I said, what? I said, I'm doing a great job. The, our profits are up and the people are coming to work every day. Things are going well. He said, no, I'm going to replace you. And all of a sudden, my world fell apart. I remember leaving that day, going home, feeling like, God, why would you let this happen to me? I got home. My wife looked at me. She said, what's wrong? It's, you're home too early. What? I said, well, the new boss doesn't want me anymore. I got a call from, praise God, from the uh, HR department, and they heard what happened. And they asked me, they said, listen, how can we fix this, Clarence? I said, well, I want this, I want that, I want this. <laughs> and they put me in this little, watch this, guys, this is how God works. They put me in this little department where there were five Christian women. Every day I came to work, they had my coffee ready. <laughs> they, they had a piece of cake or a donut. If I was running late, they would run in and turn my lights on to make my other boss think I was at work. Don't tell me God won't take a bad situation and he'll take it and turn it around for good if you keep trusting in him. Amen. Oh, these boys have been taken into captivity and the Bible says they got promoted. Look at these boys. Here they are in Babylon driving Babylonian cars, <laughs> living in Babylonian suites, wearing Babylonian fine clothes, listening to 
wonderful Babylonian music, drinking Babylonian wine, and walking Babylonian dogs. <laughs> they had it made in the shade. So somebody said they were set. I mean, anybody know what it's like to think that everything's just fine and, and, and you can just sit back and just enjoy what God is doing in your life? They had it made in the shade. Because what the devil meant for bad, God turned it for good. And yet, that conjunctive phrase, but... With all those blessings, they never forgot that they were in Babylon, but they were not of Babylon. Connection point, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. We are traveling in a strange land. People would come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm so glad that I'm still in the land of living. I said, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> We're all in the land of the dying. On our way to the land of the... On our way to the land of the... On our way to the land of the living. Don't unpack all your bags down here because we are living in a strange land and this land gets stranger and stranger every day. Don't get too comfortable. The great ball player Kobe Bryant left Mass the other Sunday with his daughter on their way to a ball game, not knowing what was ahead of him. We all know what happened. Nine people lost their lives. And they tell me that Kobe's estate now is worth 800 million and climbing and climbing and climbing. But I came by to tell you on my way to heaven that none of that means anything to Kobe now. Only what you do for Christ will last. Amen. We brought nothing into this world. It is certain. We can carry nothing out. And these three Hebrew boys understood that. They said it to themselves, we're not going to sell out. I love my Babylonian car and I love my office right there by the river. I, I love my wardrobe and I, I love all the respect I'm getting, but that is nothing compared to what God is doing in our lives, stuff happens and turns so fast. Daniel 3, look at it with me. Daniel 3, chapter 3, verse 1. Things are going well for these boys, these young men, and all of a sudden, in verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar comes up with this harebrained idea. I'm going to build an image, and I want everybody to bow down to it. Look at it with me. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. 90 feet high, nine feet wide, and set it up at the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The king started feeling good about who he thought he was, and he decided that, you know what, 
you guys should worship me. And so he created this, this image. And there in the plain of Dura, this proclamation comes forward. Look at verse 4. Then the herod loudly proclaimed, Brownsburg and people of every language, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of instruments, you must fall down and worship the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. You must trade your relationship with God for gold. As I was preparing this message, I got a call from one of my young people. I love my, my youth. They ask those really difficult and, and tough questions. And they said to me, Pastor, what happens when man's law goes against God's law? And that's what this proclamation is. It's, it's a law that goes against God's law. God said, have no other gods before me. What do you do when man's law is trying to eclipse God's law? That's when you have to exhibit dangerous faith because you cannot choose to follow a law that goes against God's law. It's a tough place to be. It may cost you a relationship. It may cost you a business deal. It may cost you, but you have to do an answer to a God that's greater than any other king. Well, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Wow, a dangerous faith. And so when you hear the music, I want everybody to bow down to my golden image. And if you don't, there's a penalty if you don't follow the proclamation. Here's the penalty. Look at verse 6. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. It's going to cost you. If you don't do what I'm asking you to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went home early that day as I did. And they sat down and they started talking to one another. What are we going to do? I think Shadrach said, guys, I think we better decide because it's going to cost us everything we have. And I believe Abednego said, well, y'all, I'm not sure. I, I work too hard to get to where I am now. I can't give up my, my car, man. Come on, y'all. I can't give up my, my crib. Come on. Some, I can't give up my cash. And I believe the two went over to him and said, listen, man, we're in this thing together. And we know God is the God of our lives. And we can't let material things get in the way of our relationship with God. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but you cannot allow tangible things to get in the way of an eternal God. And that's why young people, those of you here today, it's important you're running the right crowd because when you get stuck on stupid, you need somebody to help you out. I've been there. I've been stuck on stupid before. 
And thank God I was on the college campus and I was stuck on stupid. I knew better. I gave my life to Christ at age 11, but I got stuck on stupid. And I remember being in my dorm and I got a, a phone call uh, from downstairs saying, Clarence, somebody wants to visit you and talk to you. And it was three young ladies that come to talk to me and they said, we see something in you that you are not exhibiting. We see God in you and we come to encourage you to get back on track. That's why I'm here today. Those three young ladies came to rescue me. Make sure you have good people around you, young people, that can help you when you get stuck on stupid. It's a penalty. Dangerous faith is going to cost you. There's a price. You have to pay. You're going to have to pay a price. And so eventually the three of them decided we're going to stick together. We're not going to bow down. And then they got out. Somebody told on them that, you know what, every time that music starts playing, you ought to see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They ain't doing what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> and the king called them in. Verse 14. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you're not dancing to my song? Is that true? After all I've done for you, is that true? Is it true that you won't worship my God, little G? Surely not you guys. Not after all I've done for you. And... and, and <laughs> The, these young men looked at him. They knew the proclamation. They knew the penalty. They knew they had to pay a price, but they had the perfect response. <laughs> they had the perfect response. O Nebuchadnezzar, verse 16. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Matter of fact, here are the keys to my car. I'll resign today. We do not have to answer you in this matter, king. Because our loyalty is not just to you. Our loyalty is to God. <laughs> what a perfect response that they had to the price and penalty that they were facing. They said, look, man. We love you and we appreciate all you've done for us. But we serve only one God. They understood, like the Apostle Paul said later on, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Dangerous faith is saying no to anything that will not bring glory to God. Anything that will not bring glory to God, you have to say no to. That's what dangerous faith is all about. And it's dangerous because it could cost you. Most likely, it's going to cost you. Then they said these words, but, I like that conjunction, but. Usually, that conjunction 
uh, usually goes, hallelujah, it goes from a negative to, to a positive, that the conjunctive phrase, but, but, another word is nevertheless. God always gives you the best, nevertheless. But even if he does not, even if we know that he's not going to do it, watch this, we want you to know that he is still able. We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We're going to have a dangerous faith in God. They were in Sunday school the other day and and the teacher asked the class, somebody define faith. One of the students stood up and says, well, I believe faith it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of that which is not seen. The teacher said, that's right on. That's great. That's a great definition. And in the back of the class was Grandma Haggy. Grandma Haggy raised her hand. The teacher looked back over. Said, yeah, yeah, yes, Grandma. She said, Wes, faith." It's when God said, get up and go on out that door, you get up and go on out that door. And she sat down. The teacher said, Grandma Haggy, could you repeat that? I says, faith. It's when God said, get up and go on out that door, you get up and go on out that door. The teacher said, but Grandma, ain't no door over there. She said, that's what I'm talking about. It ain't faith if you see it. And some of us are moving because we want to see where God's trying to take us, and God's trying to take us, and he wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. Ooh, when I quit that job at Jerome Motors in the inner city church, people told me I was crazy. Number one, you're leaving a great job. Number two, you're going to the inner city. Number three, they ain't never had a full-time pastor. And you, number four, you got three children and a wife. But I remember grandma in my head saying, remember, baby, trouble don't last always. And I took a step of faith, dangerous Faith. I went through a door that no one else could see. <sighs> Can I share something else with you? When, when, I, when I decided to set up the church in the inner city, the vote was 30 to 31. Half of the people didn't want me. And I had other pastors saying, Clarence, sure, you're not going to take that church. You only won by one vote. I said, but what if that one vote is God? What if that one vote is God? And the rest is history. Perfect response. We may not win but we're not going to lose. Our God is able to deliver us. The Bible says that then Nebuchadnezzar was furious 
with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his attitude toward them changed. See, when you decide to walk and do what God has called you to do, you may lose friends along the way. You may lose relationships along the way. But the Bible said that, 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 that his attitude changed toward them, and he ordered the furnace heated up seven times hotter than usual. He's so angry that he turns the furnace up seven times what it normally is. Seven times. That is a lot of heat. <laughs> this couple built a brand new home, and uh, after a few weeks there, the wife comes home from work first, and she realized that the furnace is not working. And she calls her husband and said, honey, you got to get home because the furnace is not working. So he called the repair guy to come and fix the furnace. So sure enough, the guy comes to fix the furnace, and uh, the husband said, I got to meet you there because I got to show you something. The guy said, oh, no, you just stay at work. We understand furnaces. We know how to fix a furnace. He said, no, you just wait till I get there, please. So the, he, gets, he leaves work, gets there. He meets the repairman, and he tells the repairman, he says, man, I, I know how to fix your furnace. I've been doing this for 25 years. He said, no, you don't understand. Come here. The thermostat... In the hallway, the one my wife turns up and down, it's a dummy thermostat. <laughs> the real thermostat is down there by the furnace. And I stop by to tell somebody, when the devil thinks he's turning up the heat in your life, he's just using a dummy thermostat. <laughs> because God, I wish I had God. God will control your environment when you put your trust in him. Have I got a witness to this place? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Back home, when I say won't he do it, my church say, he said he would. <laughs> so let me try this again. Won't he do it? He said he would. I love that. Won't he do it? Balcony, won't he do it? Balcony, won't he do it? And then they threw it all away. And they got taken to the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar sat in the window of the furnace. And when they threw the three Hebrew boys in the furnace, something strange happened. Nebuchadnezzar sat up and he looked and he said, wait a minute, come here. Did not we throw three in the furnace? How is it that I see four? I stopped by to tell you that when you have a perfect response to the price and the penalty of the proclamation that the world may throw on you, when you have the perfect response, the presence of God will show up in your storm. Now, you might be asking a question because I asked this question. God, if you were going to show up, why didn't you keep me from going in the furnace in the first place? Why did you have... Why did you let me have cancer? In the, why did I lose my job in the first place? God, you could have moved a lot sooner. Ooh. 
God says, I wanted you to experience the furnace to see if you had dangerous faith. The king thought he was throwing Shadrach in the furnace. What he did not realize is that wasn't his real name. His real name was Hananiah. And in the Hebrew, Hananiah means Yahweh is good. <laughs> he, he thought he was throwing Meshach in the furnace, but what he did not realize, that wasn't his real name. His real name was Michelle, which means can't nobody do me like God. He thought he was throwing a bendigo in the furnace, but what he did not realize that his real name was Azaria. Azaria means God is my help. Can I get just 10 people to come to the conclusion that the devil thinks he knows who you are, but he doesn't really know your real name. That God, come on somebody. God has given you a name, a name that only he knows. And he's the one that would determine whether or not you come through that storm, whether or not you come through that fire. I don't know what song they played when he wanted them to bow down to the golden image, but I tell you, I believe when they got in that furnace, in that furnace, they started singing this kind of song. Every praise is to our God. Every praise is to our God. Hallelujah. Every praise is to our God. Come on, help me out here, guys. One, two, three, oh. Every praise is to our Every word of worship, every word of 